yesterday, I promised my daughter Burger King. So once a month, she gets a treat. And so off we car to Burger King. I was shocked. The lights. It was chaos. I don't think I've seen so many people ordering that what double whopper. You know, you can get unlimited um, fizzy drinks. So you see people coming back for more. And to be honest, for a moment, I thought, mm, wouldn't a chicken burger be delicious? And I actually changed my mind. So my daughter enjoyed her junior whopper and chips. I know, don't judge me, just as Jonathan now told us that, you know, you don't judge parenting for their skills. But to talk about this and unpacking what's happening with our eating habits, we've got Sitandile Mfono, a registered dietitian and spokesperson for the Association of Dietetics in South Africa. She's also a nutrition lecturer at Nelson Mandela University. And then we've also got Chanel Retief, a registered dietitian and also spokesperson for the association. Good morning, Good morning, Zetandile. Morning. Thank you for having us. Very excited to be here. Good morning, Zetandile. Great. Good morning. Yeah, great to be on the show. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm sure we're going to have lots of talking points, but I just want to start, you know, yesterday standing in that line at Burger King and just seeing so many families, so many young children and people just buying fast food. You know, are we seeing from both you know, you work with people that people are really just opting for more and more convenience takeaways because of load shedding. And what does it really mean for our health um, as a nation? Um, yes, I, I think we are definitely seeing that. Um, I can say from my practice, um, I've seen patients that would normally meal prep over the weekends for the week. Um, they are doing this less and less now because maybe on a Sunday when they would normally meal prep, they don't have power to meal prep. Or if they do do the meal prepping, the food actually goes off because, you know, you can't store it for that long anymore. So I think we are definitely seeing people then opting for the quick and the convenient takeaway option. So it's definitely something increasing. Sidantile? Mm. Um, yes, I think from um, from research perspective, um, we, we often found that convenience and the time that people have to prepare food does contribute to your meal choices. Uh, we often think that nutrition and health is a high priority, but in most cases, when you're short of money or time, you often trade off for convenience. Mm. So, I mean, just for me, you know, Chanel, when I get home and you know of course load shedding etc i like i opt for like snacks i mean i love like yesterday i had to stop myself from eating a chocolate well i had two pieces because you know <laughs> one shouldn't like starve yourself but i really find it challenging in terms of making a healthy food choice um, because it's just so easy to grab a packet of chips or a chocolate you know what advice would you give um you know if you really desperate and load shedding has just kicked in you're like what do you do do you make popcorn yeah. when you obviously yeah. when you have a gas stove perhaps you can do it <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think we, we do see that. And you know, that old saying of, of pla- failing to plan is planning to fail, I think is really, really true because the, the usual food that we would keep in our house, sometimes we can't keep that anymore because, like I said earlier, it's going to go off. So now we only have the snacky type foods in our house and it's not maybe always the most healthy options. 
So I think um, definitely plan your week, try, but not only plan what I'm going to eat when, also check when your load shedding is. And then when you go and you buy food, make sure that you buy food that has got a shorter shelf life, but also a longer shelf life. And then obviously start planning and start eating with your the, the shorter shelf life type foods. But then, the, like especially to your question that you asked now, um, I think uh, luckily in South Africa, we still have a few more months of summer of, uh, weather. So we can opt for like our salad uh, based meals where we can maybe use some leftover meat from the previous night to use in our salad also maybe like tuna if you like tuna you can have tuna in your salad because you don't need to cook and prepare that um, also as we are going into the winter months we can maybe look more at having like a soup type meal because that's also something you can prepare and then just heat up if you do have electricity or I know there's other alternatives on how we can, can heat it up if you do want to go the snacky route my advice would be to f- uh, focus on something that contains some other form of protein um, as a lot of our snacks that we do in South Africa is very high in, in starch and in fats and stuff, maybe it's a little bit lower in protein, so that would be my advice Okay, specifics now is Chanel, I'm taking notes here <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, like I said, the, the the protein snacks. I would opt for something maybe like um, a bultong or um, maybe a rice cake with peanut butter. That's maybe a good idea. Or you can even do like a smoothie with um, uh, like a protein in. Or you can do boiled eggs. Keep that, and you can put that on like a provita. Maybe. Um, yeah, I think that's like a few quick, easy protein alternatives. And then, as I said, the salad. Salad you can keep in your fridge. Maybe if you have some leftover chicken from the previous night dinner, you can add that to your salad without having to cook it, for instance. Thank you for that. Sidantile, you raised a very interesting point is that on a daily basis, we have to make choices about, you know, what you can afford, cost of living is increased, um, you know, and people literally have to make choices about whether eating healthy food or a starch that's, of course, much cheaper. You know, how do we you know, juggle that decision um, and also taking into account that cost of living has, of course, just spiraled out of control. Yeah, and also in South Africa, you find that a lot of households are actually at the risk of hunger and are already going hungry. So from an economic perspective, um, you do need to consider that you might have to still buy your bulks in, in, in bigger portions to save on that. And then you buy on a weekly basis your non-perishables. And, um, you know, planning is essential, as Chanel was saying. Planning is essential. And I even say that even during the downtime when you don't have electricity, then you might want to sit with your family and just plan your meals ahead for the week. And you know that based on the planning for the snacks and the meals, you draw up your shopping list. And then you can buy on a weekly basis the perishable foods, uh, pre-soaking your grains, especially uh, you, uh, also grains and legumes, so that you also lessen on your cooking time. So that's something that you could also do. I also thought of an idea called clean out the fridge meals. So before you go out to buy, you know, for your weekly shopping, so you, you basically take what's in your fridge and, you know, the TV show called Chopped, you, you basically make what you can from what you've uh, taken out of the fridge before you go out to shop again. So those are some ideas maybe that could help with cost saving and also meet the demands of load shedding. Mm. So just yesterday, it was World Obesity Day, uh, and a friend of mine just alerted me to it, and there was really a big report. And we know that um, 
obesity in South Africa is a really big issue. Um, we know the cost that it's got on our healthcare system. So for both of you as diet, um, dietitians, you know, you work with a variety of people. What are you seeing um, in South Africa? Are we, is it a real problem for us? And what advice do you, um, you know, give people? And also what do you think needs to happen for us to, to some extent? I mean, there is no magic bullet to answer, but what can we do to deal with this issue? Um, yeah, I think definitely, like you said, it is increasing in South Africa, the rate of obesity and the amount of obesity that we're seeing. And unfortunately, obesity goes with type 2 diabetes, um, as we know, and a lot of other um, diseases like hypertension and lots of other di- diseases that we definitely don't want to have. Um, so I think um, a good tip and something to tell the listeners is to maybe not don't overthink it and don't uh, feel that you have to fix everything in one day. Um, I always say do baby steps. Write down the stuff that you know you are doing wrong. If you know that you are eating takeaways three or four times a week, start there. Um, change that. Change the stuff that you know you are doing wrong. Baby steps. If you know you are not um, exercising at all or you know you're not drinking water or you just drink sugary drinks, start there. Start with the basics. Um, I think a lot of times we want to put a name to it, so we want to follow the specific diet because that's the magic bullet but like you said there is no such thing so I think get back to basics do basic baby steps if by accident then you but maybe do have um, three bottles of wine in a week and takeaways. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. The next day you can restart. A lot of people always wait for Monday or they wait for the first um, day of the month or the first day of the year. Um, But it doesn't have to be like that. Every day and every meal is a new opportunity to restart. Mm, And certainly, Lee? Yeah, so definitely there's always a chance to restart and often the blaming and the stigmatization of obesity tends to fit into this guilt around it. And yet we know it is a complex issue that has different aspects. It's the food that's available in the shops. It's the lifestyle way we're sitting mostly. We're not outside as we used to be. It's the fact that we use transportation. We're not using active transport. So there's a, there's a number of things. But I want to zoom in on prevention. And prevention is starting from childhood. Making sure that um, infants, you know, are fed uh, appropriately and also young children. Because we're starting to see a lot of young children becoming overweight and obese. And that tends to spill over into a bigger mess of, um, you know, people becoming obese in later on life. And we find that it's very hard to reverse, unfortunately, when... And, Adults are already struggling with obesity. So there's a lot of emphasis on the food that's being offered to young children, the type of food that's being marketed for young children, and making sure that you get the good habits that Chanel was mentioning from a young age so that you prevent that. Mm. Sitandila, on that we have a listener who sent us a message to say, how does one deal with the psychology of eating? Uh, Many people eat due to emotions, emotions. you know, this listener said they've been to several dietitians and it's just never been addressed. Um, and so he basically says you can have the best eating plan, but if the emotional part is not addressed, it just simply doesn't help. 
That, that's true, because even my family, I've had a lot of my family members telling me that they've been to dietitians and they will tell me that, you know, it doesn't seem to be working. Um, so listening to them, I can hear the emotional aspects, the psychological aspects that have to do with obesity. So that's why I mentioned the word complex problem. So for complex problem, there are no easy solutions. And a lot of the products that are being marketed for weight loss, they are quick fixes. And that's where the pitfalls of failure come in, because the moment you, 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 know, you fall off the wagon, then you feel guilty and the cycle just perpetuates itself. So some of what Chanel was mentioning, start with small steps, recognizing that you always have an opportunity to change, even if you can't now, but you can explore it later. And working with the multidisciplinary team, you know, seeing someone for the emotional and the mental wellness uh, aspects, you know, working across the interdisciplinary professions so that you can get the best support that you need, even if it means a mental health practitioner also on your team, getting good sleep, uh, regulating or if there are hormonal imbalances, getting those sorted out and others that could affect your lifestyle. And obviously we also have to consider there's a public health aspect where we have to look at society in whole. Does it support activity? Do we have parks? Do we have places where children can play safely in South Africa? So those are the things we also need to advocate for in our communities. Mm. Chanel, what do you think? I mean, clearly, you know, I mean, we, we need, you know, just the kind of from the person, the basics, but there's also societal issues at play yeah. when it comes to the psychology of eating. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's definitely like, like, we, like she mentioned that we've seen um, in, our, in our communities with patients and, you know, life happens and it's sometimes really hard. I've had clients, you know, one-on-one clients that has done amazingly and then all of a sudden something just happens. Maybe, you know, they go through, through some other emotional trauma and it's just like everything just, just, and um, we've seen then it really helps to just, again, like I said, take it back to basics. Um, and as we mentioned, to have like a multidisciplinary team. So if you feel that maybe as a dietitian that this problem and this patient, it's more than just eating habits. It's may, maybe an emotional thing. Get someone involved. Get a, a counselor or get someone that can help involved and work together. I think a lot of times we just think that eating equals dietitian. But they, it's true, but there is also a lot of other factors involved as well. Uh, we've seen when people stress, some people eat less, some people eat more. Um, so all those things definitely play a role. But what I've seen is we are so busy that we don't actually even know what's going on in our own lives. So what I've done with a few of my patients is just to tell them to do like a journal, not a diet journal. Don't write what you've eaten. I mean, that's that's not necessary. Just do a journal of how your day was. Did you wake up? Did you feel tired? Did you feel good? Did you feel ready for the day? How was your day? And then write down your eating habits, how you felt like, you know, when you were eating. You don't have to give me names and amounts and portions, nothing like that. It's just to sort of um, focus in on how you are feeling and how your day is going. And I've seen that really helps with patients because then they can sort of um, identify trends and they can see, okay, when I'm stressed, I'm an accountant, end of the month, I don't eat because I'm stressed too much. And then they can plan for that and they can maybe um, try and not fall into those pitfalls. Yes. And so um, I just want to go back, Zitandile, this issue that you um, raised about children. Um, I I mean, I find myself, my daughter, she is nine. Um, You know, I buy bread and 
when it's not white bread, she the lunchbox comes back, and I've tried, you know. Now I'm trying the the high fiber white bread, um, and I think you know it's the simple things you really try. But if they come back with their lunchbox not eaten, I mean, what decision do you make? Do you just then stick to what works, even though you know it's unhealthy? I mean, I think it's this kind of balancing act that you constantly play. What advice would you give parents on this? Yeah, for from a children's perspective, um, a lot of uh, data supports that starting early in terms of the healthy eating habits. I, 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 you know, I wouldn't say, unfortunately, nine-year-olds uh, is a bit late, um, but it is still good time. But um, you find that even from something like offering vegetables, um, we find that a lot of toddlers, young children don't like vegetables. They don't eat vegetables. And, and, and research supports that you need to give it even up to 10 times for them to have acceptance. And that acceptance has to start early, uh, even delaying the introduction of complementary food, foods from six months onwards and the variety that needs to be offered can also lay a foundation where later on the foods are not acceptable. So by nine years old, unfortunately, there is quite a bit of habit that has formed, but it, it's not late. What can be done is that as a family, start to integrate the healthy eating uh, habits and the behaviors. So, for instance, learning about food could be simple as doing a vegetable garden together so you guys can learn about planted vegetables, where vegetables come from, and so on. And so integrating that education, family uh, behavioral change, and then also kind of, uh, you know, making fun activities around them that the whole family can participate in. And family meals have also been shown to have a positive uh, effect on uh, eating behavior of children. So unfortunately, if we don't eat something, then, uh, you know, it can be easy that our children also don't eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chanel, so, um, you know, just some practical advice. What energy efficient cooking investments do you recommend to our listeners to just help them, you know, deal with the kind of cooking interruptions during load shedding? Yeah, so I think um, a lot of times in South Africa, we are like an all-in or all-out type country. So we we sort sort of want to re- go and redo our whole, whole kitchen um, just because we now have load shedding, which is fortunately not necessary. So um, I know there is um, a thing called the Wonder Bag or the Wonder Cooker. Mm-hmm. So your listeners can just go look um, online. There's lots of patterns and tutorials and ideas for them to make it themselves at home. Um, so this is um, it's like a heat retaining type technology mm. and it's almost like a slow cooker and um, you can use it without electricity or gas so I know when I was studying we, we made our own ones at one stage so that is really really cool so people can look at that also if you do have a little bit more uh, money to use on this um, you don't have to go put in a new gas stove you can just maybe buy one of those two plate gas stoves that you can put on top of your stove in your kitchen you know the ones that you would use if you go camping for instance, they use a small gas um, canister. It's not that expensive. And then also when you are using gas, um, it heats up quickly and it's very more like much more time efficient. So I think um, if you can afford one of those two methods, I think that will definitely be beneficial. Zitandile, what advice do you give families? 
Um, I think more or less what Chanel said, um, gas stove as a backup. Uh, what I do know uh, from my background is that a lot of people have, you know, those stoves that you use when you're catering for big events or for these large family gatherings. So it's sitting somewhere at the back of your garage. So you might have to pull it out and just um, start to use it. I also mentioned that you could also pre-soak a lot of your greens um, and also your legumes so that you don't spend as much time cooking them. Uh, wonderful idea about the one cooker. You can always Google the ideas. Obviously, you can make your own, and, and I think that's the best way you can go around uh, energy saving when it comes to cooking. Okay. Uh, we have a listener who sent us a message to say, my little grandchild is a fussy eater, and even more so now that the doctor told him about food colorants. Sometimes it just takes a professional to get the message across. Seemingly that um, worked in this um grandparents case Chanel yes um, and I also wanted to mention earlier that I really like the vegetable garden idea um, that was mentioned earlier I think that's really really cool because the more you can get kids involved the better and I think the same goes in this situation. So even if maybe we do go to the shop um, to buy the food and whatever, take the little one with. And I've seen the more you can use um, you know, options and show them options, and they actually feel involved. So don't tell them, choose whatever you want, because obviously they'll choose the stuff that they want and they want to, to have. But give them two or three options of, of foods that you know is healthy and that's good for, for the child. So say, okay, you've got option A, option B, option C, you have to choose one of these options. And then they feel involved, and in that way you still get healthy food into the house and healthy food into the child because they feel that they are actually involved in the whole process. Even so more while cooking the food. I think that's um, a lot of times kids are just busy with their homework or maybe they're relaxing or they're at sports or whatever and they may be not that involved in the whole cooking process. But I've seen if we do that and we say, okay, this is what we bought now, what do you want to have tonight? Um, and then they are involved in the whole process. They can say what they want to combine with what. Then they just feel that they actually also have a say. Standile, so um, just back to your issue of, like, of course, when you're in that emergency, you've had, you know, stage six or stage seven load shedding. Um, you know, you're really desperate. You need to eat. Um, you're not going to go to Burger King or McDonald's. But what advice would you give listeners if you do not have a choice but to order? You know, how do we make a healthy takeaway choice? Yeah, so we are all working, so hardworking and we're limited of time. So we do have to buy takeaways occasionally. So um, you'd consider your plate model. Try and look at 50% of what you're going to have as a vegetable or as a salad. And then uh, 25% of that will be a healthy carb. So that could be corn on the cob. It could be uh, different types of, of, of carbohydrates, obviously, I've got, that have more fiber, not as refined. So um, even sometimes buying wedges instead of fried or grilled wedges instead of fried uh, potato chips. And then 25% a lean protein, which could be a fish or a chicken breast. So that could be something as an option for uh, buying a takeaway. And sometimes if you go to your local uh, shopping uh, shopping center or shopping um, a supermarket, they do sell chicken that's already prepared, and then you could just buy a salad that's already pre-prepared so that you can just plate that out, especially for bigger families, for cost-saving purposes. Mm. Uh, try and stay away from whatever's fried or creamed so that you limit the amount of uh, added fat to your food. 
And then not to opt for upsizing or uh, buy one, get one free, because the temptation can but be... But it, it's, uh, so uh, <laughs> it's so tempting, it's so tempting, We know, like, food lovers, you know, they offer three donuts, and, you know, like, it, it's just so tempting to have sugar. But on that, Chanel, like, you know, you've given us some suggestion, for instance, with just snacking, but, you know, kind of what healthy meals can you suggest when we only have 30 minutes or less, you know, before that dreaded power cut? Yeah, so I think that happens and then people sort of freak out. So I think the best is exactly like we are doing now is to chat about it and write it down. Make a little load shedding um, nutrition booklet and keep it there in your house. So when it happens that you can just grab the book and start because a lot of times then it takes 10 minutes just to decide what you want to eat and then it's already 10 minutes wasted. So uh, um, as I mentioned earlier um, and also like we've mentioned now with the plate model, the the 50% um, of the plate veggies, 25% protein and 25% starch, we can use the same principle when we are doing our meals and cooking our meals um, in a short time of period. So I would normally say just as we mentioned earlier, check what you have in your fridge and then check what you can do for veggies that's already cooked or that you can cook quickly. What can you do for starch? What can you do for protein? So for instance, if you see you have lettuce, cucumber, tomato, great. There's a quick um, salad. You don't have to cook any of that. And then you see, okay, um, I don't have any tuna in my cupboard. I don't have any um, any leftover meat from last night, but I do ha- have eggs. Then I would suggest quickly boil a few eggs as a protein and then carbohydrates is usually quite easy. Um, as we mentioned earlier, the grains and all those things we can make and we can keep it uh, for longer periods of time. But apart from that, we always have carbohydrate snacks and meals in, in our fridge. So if you do the, the egg and the tuna, the egg and the lettuce salad, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. you can have that with maybe one or two rice cakes. Or a lot of people tend to forget about fruit. You can actually include your fruit in your meals. You don't always have to just eat fruit as a snack. So even if you do make like a salad, you could always have like an apple or a whatever fruit with it as a carbohydrate source. So I think that's one example. Another example would be maybe um, smoothies. A lot of people tend to forget about smoothies. You can cut everything up, have everything ready, and then just before the power goes out, you can just quickly, um, you know, blend your smoothie, which is also nice and easy to eat. Uh, you could also do like the whole wheat wraps with, with chicken breast in and some lettuce and tomato and whatever veggies you would like to have. So I think the, again, back to the, the planning part is to make sure that all the food groups, and if I say food groups, I mean the 50% of the plate, the 25 and the 25, have stuff like that in your house. Because if it's not in your house, you will not be able to cook it in half an hour. Mm-hmm. Very good advice. Now, Sitandile, just lastly from you, I mean, sugar is a big thing for South Africans. I mean, we love our chocolates. There's always chocolates on specials i mean if you are going to do sugar i know this is a difficult question for a dietitian what sugar do we do um and you know the 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 unfortunate part is that all sugars are the same so whether you use honey or use brown sugar use white sugar it is sugar still so um it's cutting back so that's the best advice so that's free you don't have to pay for it so you cut back on the amount of sugar that you put in your coffee, that you put in your tea. So you can work one teaspoon at a time to cut it back. And then we all do have a natural sweet tooth. It's actually part of our biology. Uh, but what we can do is replacing that 
the desire for sweetness. Um, Chanel mentioned fruits, um, having them available. What what is good for fruit is that it must be visible. So put it on your on your table. I know it looks old fashioned that our parents used to have like a fruit bowl on, on top of the kitchen counter. It should still be there because they say that if it's visible, you're gonna eat it. Also make sure that you're cutting it up so you don't have to have electricity for that. So you cut up your fruit, you make it ready, you make it accessible. And that also helps with the sweet tooth. And um, we do need treats. Don't forget treats. You know, life can be very hectic. So plan your treats. Know that if you want your, your, your sugar snack, a small packaging, don't buy the big bulk and think that you're going to hold yourself back. Just small packaging would be ideal. And then you can use them for treats. So obviously, we, we don't have a rule that says it's an all out. You can't have us. It's important to plan in things so that you know that they are part of a healthy lifestyle and they can be fitted in within a healthy lifestyle. Thank you for that great insight, Chanel Retief and Sitandil Mfono. We know that we're all struggling with, you know, our diets and eating habits and load shedding, of course, has impacted on that. So thank you very much for the insights. In fact, we have a, a listener who sent us a voice note to say, Hello, my daughter only knew brown bread when she slept over at my sister's home while we were away for a couple of nights. She was given white bread and she thought it was cake. On that cake note, thank you, Chanel. Thank you, Sidendile, for that very insightful pointers. I've taken some notes, and I'm sure Cape Talk listeners have also uh, taken some notes. So thank you for your insights.